0: So intimate partner violence, abuse, or aggression that occurs in a romantic relationship. Okay. This is according to the CDC. This can be current and former spouses, dating partners, anybody. We're talking about physical violence, sexual violence, including non-physical sexual events like sexting when one partner does not or cannot consent, stalking, psychological aggression. 41% of women and 26% of men have experienced contact sexual violence physical violence and or stalking by an intimate partner. One in three women, one in four men. Common impacts include injury, post-traumatic stress disorder, concern for safety, fear. We have 61 million women and 53 million men as of 2017 experiencing psychological aggression by an intimate partner. And then for pregnant women, three women every day. Current or former intimate partners kill on average three women every day. And those who survive Intimate partner violence suffer a wide range of physical and mental health problems that are caused or exacerbated just by the violence. Most pregnant women who experience intimate partner violence report that the abuse started or intensified as soon as they became pregnant. Every year, an estimated three hundred twenty-four thousand pregnant people are battered by their intimate partners. So now we've got intimate partner violence specifically targeted towards pregnant women, and then on top of that, Black women, Indigenous women, or other people of color suffer intimate partner violence disproportionately 45 percent of black women report physical violence sexual violence or stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime this is 20 percent higher than any other ethnic group <laughs> Leave the dog alone because a dog didn't do a damn thing and now you're trying to
1: feed him your bodily now fluid shall kill all of your and hands and a, a dog rink, fish a, a tampon out of the garbage a ain't right to you but you pretend like you
0: will
2: <laughs> a dog <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs>
1: that was wow a <laughs> Here we talk go. Please stop eating all. people
2: Just in parking lots. You're anyone in a trunk I or a box.
0: All. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Straight Up Evil. My name is Jocelyn. I'm the brunette. We've got Katie. She's the redhead. Chilo And we have Carly. She's the blonde. Hi. It's a Katie case. Katie Kay's.
2: But yeah, Quinnies we're just gonna, we're gonna jump right in here. So I title my, like I said, my main source was the 2020 uh, special, which they, which they titled The Barefoot Witness. But my title for the episode is the three-year-old hero or oh. the little baby hero is oh what God, I like man. to call 100%. this episode. Lintel Washington, she was 40 years old. I don't have her childhood. Really, things that I do that we do know are she was, as far as we know, a Louisiana native. She was also an identical twin. Her identical twin sister's name was Sintel Washington. They were identical, like people, unless it was someone that knew them really, really well, you know, like an immediate family member or friend. You could not tell them apart, according to a lot of people. She actually lived in New Orleans originally. And she moved to Baton Rouge to kind of start over. And Baton Rouge, Louisiana is the capital of Louisiana. And everybody says that it's basically like, it's very similar to the history and city nightlife style of New Orleans, but it's like really more of a remote area. So you imagine like a more small version of New Orleans and it's, it's a working port and it's about a hundred miles outside of New Orleans new orleans
1: yeah i love new orleans
2: yeah i've never been Uh, actually
0: so
1: no i've always wanted to go that's where we went for our honeymoon and my sister same thing and they loved it
2: i want to go so
0: bad
1: It was so fun. Do not go in the middle of July. (laughs) But it was really great. It was really fun.
2: Like I said, she moved to Baton Rouge to kind of start over. And she was a middle school teacher at a school called Brookstone Middle Magnet Academy. She was an excellent teacher, according to her students and friends. She was dedicated, really hardworking. Yeah, she seemed really beloved cared super beloved and like cared deeply for her students and she was like a really empowering teacher and she was also very funny She actually met a man named Darren Glassberg. They actually end up getting pregnant. And this is kind of ends up being a miracle baby for Lintel because they had told her that she could not conceive, that they didn't think that she could conceive or have a baby. So this ended up being like a miracle, you know, pregnancy for her. And they were really,
1: really excited. And it's something she really wanted, you know? Definitely.
2: Unfortunately, around eight months into the pregnancy, they actually break up. Darren says that it was like due to his problems like that he was having personally. So like he claims like admittedly that he Mm -hmm. was struggling with drug abuse problems and he was just like, you know, being really reckless and going through a really, you know, rough time in his life. And so they agreed that it would be best, you know, if they parted ways at that time.
1: It's so, you know, it's hard because it's like, she's obviously this baby's wanted but then it sucks because you're like almost there. You almost have the baby. And then you're thinking you're going to have your little nuclear family. And then. I mean, no, it, no, but it's also good because he's like understanding that he's just not in that space right now. And it's better for everybody involved that he wouldn't be there he's like so endearing too right he away is, as yeah. soon as you hear him talk you just like immediately
2: or at least i was like i am, am immediately fond with him like i don't know i just yeah. think that he he just speaks so highly of her and exactly even though they had those problems and like went through that you know they still like co-parented and they yeah. still it was like you know they did it they just they did the damn thing obviously after that breakup she was a little down we're, we're gonna dive right in here our queenie so get your Get your pants, put your big boy pants on because
0: we're, your pa- get, your we're put on. get your pants on.
2: <laughs> on June 9th of 2016, a little girl is actually caught on some surveillance videos running through a parking lot. There were some buildings around it, another like work area with a fence behind it, like where the camera is recording. It's just this entire parking lot. And you see this little girl running back and forth across the camera and she's carrying a pillow. A gentleman named Leslie Parms, a good Samaritan who happened to be driving by. He immediately pulls over. He gets out of the car and he asks the little girl, where are your parents, you know, are your parents? around. He says the little girl looks confused and she's teary-eyed and he kind of looks around and he doesn't see any adults. He sees no one else around in the parking lot and he's just really confused. So he immediately calls 911. Leslie basically proceeds to say, you know, there's a little girl out here in the middle of this parking lot. And he asks the little girl, how old are you, sweetie? And she says, I'm I'm three. He said, you know, she's out here with absolutely no parents. She's carrying a pillow. No one's around and she has no shoes on. I need you to get an officer out here. I, I don't have a good feeling about this. Like something, I don't feel comfortable, he says. And also it's important to say too, that we don't, we're not going to ever mention this little girl's name. Mm -hmm. I think she really just wants to be able to live her life like in privacy. And she doesn't really want the outside world kind of like messing with her. So, but not only was she found in the parking lot, she was also barefoot and that she had blood on her feet. Leslie asked the little girl if she was hurt because he notices this blood on her feet. And he says, you know, are you hurt? Is this, is that why there's blood on your feet? And she said, no, that she wasn't hurt. The little girl. And Leslie just continues like asking this girl a bunch, of bunch of questions while he's on the phone with the 911 operator at the same time, who can actually hear the little girl. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, Leslie says, is because this little girl is so articulate and so well-spoken that she literally is able to be clearly, perfectly heard over the phone because she's just so... Smart and bright and clear with her voice. You definitely feel the tension start to rise in this 911 call as well, because he starts to get frantic and he just keeps saying over the phone, he keeps saying, you guys need to hurry. Like, can you please get the dispatch here? He like keeps rushing them over and over again. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's really hot. And the parking lot is hot. He's just concerned about this little girl being with no shoes in this hot parking lot. And he starts physically describing her. He tells them she's a black female. She's three years old. She has on a pair of peach shorts and she has a peach shirt that says the word "Q" on it. I can't. yeah
0: yeah yeah.
2: He asked her if she had slept in the car all night, and she said yes. He asked her, "Well, where's your mommy? And where's your mommy's car?" And the little girl actually points over to her mom's car. And Leslie says, she points across the parking lot all the way, that they actually start to walk over to the car. And they get over to the car. And all you hear Leslie Parm say on the phone is, Oh God, there's blood on the front seat of the car. Mm. And the dispatcher asked him what kind of car he describes. It's a blue, dark blue Toyota Corolla. Actually a pretty sizable amount of blood on both the passenger and the driver's side doors. And that it looks like something really bad happened. Again, with this, he's like rushing, like, because they're still not here and he's getting agitated. So he's like, how far out are they? Like, where are they? And he said... You saw blood coming from mommy, and the little girl says yes. And he says, "Where was the blood coming from on mommy?" And she says, "From mommy's head." Now, by this time, the police have pulled up, and then at this point, it's showing you the police surveillance. And again, it's just a lot of the repeats of the same things. This little girl is literally, again, so articulate that she just keeps repeating the same things over and over and over again.
1: And the same, like she says exactly the same way, like she knows. Yes, like she she knows. knows. The police
2: run the. Registration in the plates of the car and they find that the car comes back registered Lintel Washington not to mention the fact that the school and Lintel's friends already knew that something was a, was not right because Lintel had not shown up to school that day for her teaching to teach her class they already knew that something was wrong her co-worker who was also her friend Jamaica Pink Fisher you know knew that she would never leave her daughter alone and so for the friends this was her other friend as well, who is Melissa Mason, they both knew that this was not good. Melissa Mason is her other best friend, who they consider each other sisters. They're very, very close. And Pink Fisher is her other friend, who's also her coworker and technically her boss, mm-hmm. because she's the vice principal of the middle school. They have two of them for whatever reason, I guess it must be a really big school is what I'm imagining. Jamaica was actually one of the f- And I believe that it's Jamaica. Some people pronounce it Jamisha. She was actually one of the first people to arrive on the scene. And of course they wouldn't let her pass because at that point they had started to tape everything off and it had become an official crime scene at that point. So the very next day, of course, it's just already all over the news. Media has it. It's the head story in all of the every news, you know, anchor ever is telling the story that by the next day and Lintel is officially named as a missing person. And she had lived in a one bedroom apartment. Which was only not even a mile from where the car was found. Called they were called Afton Oaks apartment homes. So in the car, they also find her purse and her keys.
1: I mean, here we are. Come on. Right. I mean, even take away the blood, just the purse. That's our favorite. That's our favorite. No purse
2: left behind. That's our favorite. Obviously, one of our favorite things. Leslie, the witness, is the Good Samaritan. He's freaking out, and he's like, "Listen, there's blood everywhere. Her purse and keys are in the car." He's literally saying over to the dispatch like i think so- what if somebody might have done something to this woman that's what he literally says Yeah,
1: it's like you can hear that he is obviously super concerned and he's Majorly. trying to relay the message to the dispatcher without scaring this three-year-old little girl, girl. Kid. he's yeah. yeah. not like oh there's so much blood she must be kidding. you no. know what i mean like he's oh he's still so gentle and like soft-spoken way. Yeah. for like, the little girl he really is trying to like yeah he's so hide it from her but tell them like things are really going down
2: the investigators obviously are like well why is she in this parking lot like so close to her apartment like it's just so strange right so they're like we're gonna we're gonna check this surveillance video and see what happened they rewind to the night before, and they get to around 11 30 that night on June 8th, right? At 11 30 p.m., detectives notice a car that resembles Lintel's blue Toyota. The car drives by the parking lot as though it's heading down towards Lintel's apartment, right? Where she lives, but then all of a sudden it takes a dramatic stop, backs up turns around and pulls into the parking lot, Quinny's nope. and then pulls
1: past the cameras out of view. Also so he, they a go, plus for them even having camera footage. Okay. Oh my God. So
0: Do we have much, a camera that works? Like, oh my God. So actually see the video of like, wow. They have so much for surveillance all
2: through this case. Yeah. <laughs> all through this case. In fact, I would say now that the amount of surveillance coverage in this case is actually what saves this case. Now of course, the detectives really start digging, right? Now they know that they have to get like the inside scoop of her life right okay well we know she was a teacher we know she was a mother we know she was a friend she was very well respected in her community they found out that her nickname was actually puffy and that it had been her nickname since she was a child and it's what all of her friends called her even darren called her puffy she was an extremely loyal and dedicated hardworking, funny compassionate friend And she cared deeply about her reputation. Her friend Melissa jokes about how she loved this song that was uh, "I Need a Refill." It's so funny, refill, yeah. And she's like, (laughs) and and she loved this song. It's so sweet. Like she's like, and I was annoyed. Like Melissa's like, I hated the freaking song. She's like, (laughs) and it just also it makes me think of us, Quinnies too. Like how we just like tolerate each other's like annoying parts (laughs) of each other, you know? Because. We just are so loving and accepting of each other. And like, it's like, just so oh. sad and endearing how she describes this.
0: And she's it's like, like and now- Quinty,
1: not with the song again. Quinty. No, I know. <laughs> Jocelyn, you hey. can't
0: play two chains one more time. We just oh can't. My God. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> Seriously. Now, of course, she loves that song. Her friends also said, That Lintel didn't really have the best luck with men. They knew that she had started seeing someone when it finally did happen, but that it was actually a secret affair that she couldn't tell them much about.
0: And I don't like it that her friends don't know who she's with or what she's. I
1: know. Yeah, up to to them,
0: right? You You know, because she is. I mean, for I know that she's co-parenting and everything, but she is like she's fun- She's on her own. She's functioning like a single mom in some way. So I just, right. I don't like the idea that her people don't know. Exactly. Like where she's at.
2: So her friends, Lintel's friends actually end up taking the baby home. And Jamika says the entire time that the little baby girl is just talking about her mom. Cintel has actually flown in from out of town to come get the baby and basically, you know, just be home to figure out, you know, everything that's going on with her twin sister. The best friends describe that the twin walked into the door and that the little girl went running to her thinking it was her mom. And she was like, mommy, mommy. And she was like, are you okay, mommy? And Jamika says that the little girl started physically checking the aunt, ugh. like on the back of her head and all around her to see if there were boo-boos, okay? You know, so obviously that was just like a huge punch to the friends and the sister that had to, it, that was a huge grieving moment. I you was know, so the, badly ugh.
0: that there was a police officer in the room when this yeah. happened. Exactly. I really wish there was, it just happened to be the moment where the, there was law enforcement there. I just, I really, I really wish. Exactly.
2: So the question is, meanwhile, we're asking, so where is Lintel? And Darren actually says in the interview that he had just called her the night before and that he had actually left a voicemail on her phone. Now, this is really creepy. Darren says he had left a voicemail on her phone saying that the night before he had had a dream that she was pregnant with a little girl. And, you know, oh, he said, I was just checking in. I hope you're doing okay." He said, I don't know that she ever got that message, but I got very... Very afraid that they might think that I was responsible for something because the voicemail was left on the eighth the night before she had gone missing. This is where we get to Mr. Dr. Robert Marks, okay?
0: Short so, man in, and in the short
1: can. There's Absolutely.
0: something about him that just makes me want to take care
1: of it. He has a very punchable take care
0: of it. self, like his whole just...
2: Who is Dr. Robert Marks, do you ask? He was the assistant principal at Brookstown Middle Magnet Academy, where Lintel Washington also taught. He was an extremely successful man. In fact, he had a PhD in education. People described him, his students described him as kind and friendly. God, I don't know what that sound is. I really hope it's not my phone. Do you guys hear it? Oh. No. It like I do like, like a t-
0: ticking t- 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 clock. Okay. Oh, wait, anyways, is it um, me then? Hang on. <laughs> I don't hear it. It anymore.
2: stopped. Oh no, Quinny.
0: Hear it now? Yep.
1: It sounds like almost slapping. like a raindrop. Yeah. It sounds almost like slapping. <gasps> like a pit patter of rain. Yeah. Yes. Like dripping. Yeah. Fast. James Drew driven.
2: Okay, I'm going to
0: unplug all my shit and plug it back in. So okay. just keep going, Quince. Okay.
2: Came through dripping. Okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I can't believe she said that. <laughs> oh my God, I'm dying. What Remind about you. Now, Gone. Gone. Stopped. He was assistant principal as well as who I mentioned earlier, Jamaica Pink Fisher, who was also Lintel's close friend, right? They were both co-assistant principals. So I, ba- I think basically the way that it worked is sometimes they would both be there, but sometimes one of them would fill in when one of them would be away. And one of them would fill in for the principal when he would be away. And then you would still have the v- other vice principal when one of them had to take the role as the head. And in fact, actually, they both had to play principal sometimes, both Jamaica and robert himself at first according to lintel's friends like she was not attracted to this man she didn't think that he was cute he was much shorter than her he was like five four the girls say not even five five
0: down lintel on my level. was tall lintel <laughs> <did>. was tall <laughs> i dream like, of being five four but yeah down on I my level i'm not that sure are you Every shoe I own has a heel on it. (laughs) But from a
2: tall person perspective, you don't want to be tall when you're that tall. Like I never wore heels, I was always self-conscious to wear heels because it made me taller. And then I was always taller than the guys. And then I always like hated that, you know? So like I don't
1: have that issue anymore. (laughs) I remember one time going out to the bar when we like and I had these like so it was. Chunky clog, and I mean, (laughs) they were like the tallest. I was like six foot, love it. And then me and Michael just walking in (laughs) to the bar, and everyone was just like, Whoa. Whoa. And I was like, look so at this those is what two. you deal with every single day. And he's like, yes, look at those supermodels. So I was like, I don't know if I'm going to wear these shoes ever again. Heidi and seal just walked in. <laughs> so sure, like, then I'm at the bar and I'm like, <laughs> kind of like, just like lean very casually. Like, yeah. Like
2: that drink soul. yourself a little bit. <laughs> So he's, he's, you know, he's educated, he's cool. But at first Lintel was not attracted to him as her friends said. However, Melissa said that she started to notice that Lintel started to say nice things about him instead of like, ew, he's gross and shorts. And her friends are like, okay, so she's feeling a different type of way. That obviously is when the affair had begun between the two of them. And she had given hints to her friends, but the friends really didn't know the extent of it. And as far as they knew, you know, he was married with a family. And so they thought that like, they were just talking and flirting. They didn't know that it was an actual full-blown affair. The girls said that they really thought, you know, she might have liked him more than just like by the way that she was starting to talk about him. Apparently, he had told Lintel that he was very unhappy in his marriage and that they were going to be getting a divorce soon. Lintel believed him and she actually thought that they were separated because Mark had told her that they had lived in a two-story house and that they had actually lived in separate parts of the house because they weren't getting along and so she lived on the top floor, and he lived on the bottom floor.
0: No, nope, you're not red flags. Elizabeth Taylor okay. and Richard Burton. Okay, like you're Seriously. Not, no one actually actually like that's too perfect
1: okay okay but Lynette, okay but hold on lintel
2: believed it though she believed right, it I people, okay i know he,
1: people who are married or together they own a two-family home and he lives on top and she lives on bottom and they're like really separated
0: and they're like separated no they're together
1: or? they're together but
0: there's just something about it's just,
1: it that's like still, not believable no. and to it's, me. It's,
0: mm-hmm. when we come full circle
2: with it too you're gonna find out some funny things so,
1: oh, we're. I'm so unhappy. We're separated. Don't believe it. Right. Don't and ever believe, don't them. believe him. For a second. Fault, do don't believe him. It's not Lintel's fault, but don't. And don't, not only don't believe them, but don't meet them in a fucking
2: parking lot ever. Okay? Never don't go, more go into a parking lot ever. No again. more
1: parking lot.
2: She believed him because he was always hanging out and with her. And when she called him, he would answer. And when he would come over to her house and they would have dinner, Lintel's daughter would be there and the three of them would have dinner together. She had no reason to doubt him. And so to her, she was really happy. And like excited about their life. As we rewind back to the crime scene now where the cops are talking to the little girl, the little girl starts to say something to them that's, you know, brand new and kind of secretive information. And she says to the cop, my mommy's got a baby in her tummy. She had actually announced the pregnancy. She had told her students. She had told her friend, Melissa Mason. And she had even told Robert Marks. And apparently Robert was happy about it. She even told him the name and he had told her that he loved the name. And police later, police later. Exactly. Scott Peterson was
1: excited for a long time. He loved that nursery. He loved mm -hmm. it. Everything was great. I'm telling you.
2: Oh yeah. It was, everything was perfect. And police sure enough, later do in fact discover that the sonograms were in Lintel's apartment that had actually been tracking her pregnancy. She, had even found out the sex of the baby, that it was a little girl, and she had told Robert this, and again, and had told him the name. He, she told him that the name of the little girl would be Dallin.
1: And Darren was right when he told her. Was right, he had that dream. Yeah, yeah.
2: what well, he freaking had the dream. Exactly. It's so crazy. One week before Lintel goes missing, she is when she actually told her boss and close friend Jamika. So she actually waited a little bit longer before she told Jamika. But she told her about the baby, and she also told her about the full relationship she told her about everything like listen i've been having this whole affair with him and jamika says like she was completely blindsided like she just didn't have yeah it. she had no idea she had absolutely
0: no idea and what do you even say I you're know. just yeah, you i'm, you I'm glad you're happy and that's all you really can say but it puts her in a very awkward position like given her job and her and all the things right yeah
2: a few more days before lintel goes missing so like around the third or the fourth of june OK, and Robert tells Lintel that he's going on a trip. He tells her that he's going to go to Panama City because he has to go to a family reunion. But really, in all actuality, he wasn't going on a family reunion trip. He was going on a trip on a cruise with his fucking wife, Quinns. Why? Because he was still married happily, Quinny's. She finds it out from fucking social media. She goes on social media and she sees a fucking picture that wifey posts. Her and her sweet little husband on the middle of a freaking cruise ship. And Lintel is freaking pissed. She's pissed right the hell off. She immediately calls Melissa and she sends Melissa the pic and she's like, Does this look like a man that's going through a freaking divorce to you? Like, are you kidding me? And, you know, Melissa's like, no. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Like, are you okay?" Lintel spends the entire weekend trying to reach him. But obviously she couldn't get a hold of him because he was out of the country. She's super mad. And she tells Melissa that she's going to confront his wife. Like she's going to his house and she drives there. So remember this two-story house that we had talked about just a little while ago, Quinice? Well, Uh... guess what? Lintel pulls up on this house, and it ain't a fucking two-story house, Quinice. It's a fucking trailer. It's a it's, double wide.
1: It's a double wide trailer.
2: Queenie's double wide oh, trailer, really, right there.
1: Uh, they're real
0: separate. Kay? Yeah, mm-hmm. super. Got so she's you like, got a lot of privacy and space. Lots of
1: space. I, I, I like, just feel not, so
0: bad for her in this moment. Like, is anything real? Then, like, ha- has any of it? You know, she's just left to wonder. Like, what the? Fuck? It's awful.
2: You can't believe the luck that it's like, this woman has. If she didn't has. work
1: with him, you could also be like, Are you even a principal? Like, yeah. what, are you a? a con are, man? You, man? are you? Are you going to and you're actually
0: like <laughs> an another alien creature underneath. Like, I, right. I don't, I don't know. Be. We don't know
2: that. When Robert Farts returns from his weekend cruise <laughs> on June six, obviously he returns to a really pissed off Lintel and she's waiting for him to return and she sends him a text message. It's a pretty blunt and like straightforward text message. And it's basically like telling, you know, asking him if he's lying. The text says exactly this quote, just keep it 100 with me. Do you really want me? Are you quitting to run away from your responsibilities with me and our unborn daughter? Question mark, end quote. She gets again on the phone with Melissa, you know, the one that she talks to the most, her one that's like her friend. I told you, Quinise, that's like her sister. And she asks her, like, do you think that I should meet him and like hash it out and like yeah. talk to him? And her friend Melissa says, yes, you should meet him so you can see like if he's being honest with you and like what the hell he could possibly have to say for all of this. You know, we learn we'll learn soon that Melissa had a lot of regrets for telling her friend this Robert and Lintel. They actually agree over text that they're going to meet. They're going to meet up to talk. And so now we know, like, number one, that Robert was, A, the last person to, pretty much one of the last people to talk to her, and pretty much one of the last people to be with her. So cool. the next day on June 10th that the police actually bring in Robert Marks to question him. And the detective tells him that they're looking for Lintel, that they believe Robert knows where she is. And right away, there's red flags because he starts being really physically weird like in the interview right away. He immediately shoves his arms like under the table and like leans forward against the table, top of the tabletop and is like being super sketch. And they're like, you know, we think you might know where she is. And immediately he responds with, quote, I don't know where she is. Just like that, right off the bat. Okay. So Robert then claims that he tried to call her that morning and that he had sent a text and that she did not respond to either. He then tells the police that he saw her last night for about a half an hour and that it was just her and her daughter when they met. And he says that he was on his motorcycle. Right away, you keep seeing him putting his fists like under his chin, which one of the detectives immediately says right away, it's this immediate sign of lying because he keeps like awkwardly putting these like stiff fists over his, under his chin. It's like really weird. He says he meet, comes up on his motorcycle and he said they just talked for about a half an hour and that he admits, he does admit to the affair that they were having. And the detective asks, If his wife knows. And Robert Mark says a very expressive. "Mm -mm." I don't love that. I just don't. Uh, I don't. Then he says, well, I think she probably does now. Like referring to his wife knowing about the affair. And then the detective says, did Lintel ever threaten you with talking to your wife? Like, did Lintel ever tell you that she was going to tell your wife about the affair? And he was like, oh no, that'd be total news to me. I I have no idea about that. His posture and his body, language is
1: very revealing it's like he's it trying he has, too hard to be casual and mm-hmm. and it says that he has failing no it's so bad so bad because it just looks like he has no emotion
2: whatsoever yep, yes. he just, and he's looks like totally, trying
0: to like make eye contact with them yes and like really so like weird. maintain eye contact but it's like too much. When he was originally
2: questioned, he had admitted that he was with her, and he says that afterwards he just went to a local restaurant which was known to the locals as a Hooters, similar yeah. to a Hooters.
0: Twin Peaks it's called, which called is like Twin also Peaks. one of yes. the greatest TV shows of all time. It, but in this case it's a titty bar,
1: isn't it? But like it is. But why is It's like the, they cats, dress like kind of alibi? Yeah. Is a married man and a I was middle at school Hooters. principal. That's okay. his alibi. I was too busy at Hooters. I was uh, watching them titties wrap the around. He I was, was watching, watching them balls t-s. bouncing
2: around. Oh, yep, that was man. his alibi, and he claimed that he was watching the game, the basketball game. And so now this is when the search begins, and they start this search. They set up a camp, and they've got ATVs. They've got searchers on foot. They've got helicopters. They have canines. They had over. 50 something law enforcement all over the area, searching the rivers, the bayous. They had two different camps set up. One of them was based right directly on the river. And this goes on for days. They had gotten some tips from cell phone data that were leading them to start searching all of these bodies of water. People are getting worried. Friends are crying and praying. Police are basing their search, like I said, according to cell phone records. And they actually end up 25 miles west of Baton Rouge in Iberville, Parish, which is basically a bunch of nothingness. It's like a lot. It's miles and miles
0: and miles
2: of sugarcane fields. Acres mm-hmm. upon acres upon acres of sugarcane fields.
0: This shit freaks me out. This is me like too. season one of True Detective. Deep woods, the nothing gators, out there. Scares the gators, me.
2: This yeah, is it's just true a
0: blood. bunch like, of- It is. <laughs> like, yes, it, me, it is. Just it
1: me true blood. It's just
0: a bunch
2: of miles and miles of remote oh. land of nothing. The very first place they searched was Whiskey Bay. They had no luck. They're looking all around in this 25 mile away area and they're not finding anything out there either. And they start discussing that they're going to quit. Like they're going to stop the search. It's been a few days now. They're not having any leads. They're not getting anywhere. They're not finding anything. It's the lead story in Baton Rouge, but sadly the cops aren't having any luck on their end. On the fifth day of the search, they finally have a break. They had gotten a call from an owner of some land out in Grand Isle, which is right around that 25 mile away area I was talking about. And apparently some sugarcane farmers had come across a body in a drainage ditch outside of one of the sugarcane
1: farms. It could easily have been you never found her. Yep. In that and in fact, climate, you're in exactly that right. Terrain. Yep. It's a miracle that the kid knew all the information. It's a miracle that she's alive. And it's a miracle that you even found Lintel whatsoever.
0: Yeah. She just, she just, I was telling Quinny before we started recording, like, I just like her. So do I. I so just do like I. her too. Like, you just like her. Ass person.
2: The police actually had her clothes. They actually called Jamika, and Jamika was able to go back on the cameras. So terrible. She went back on the security cameras from school from the day before Lintel went missing to see what outfit she was wearing at school to see if it matched the outfit of the body that they had found. And sure enough, Jamika pulls up the outfit and the outfit matched. And not only did the outfit match, but the detective zoomed in on her shoes, which were a pair of sandals. And when they had found the body, there was only one shoe on her and it was her left shoe, her left sandal. But when they had found the car, they had found her right sandal and it had specks of blood on it found on the driver's side floorboard so they knew that it was in fact a match but of course they still did not confirm it at this point because they wanted to have the medical examiner determine it officially right the very next day the coroner said that we identified the victim through her dental records and it was indeed Lintel Washington obviously the friends were completely devastated Melissa and Darren were in shock Jamiko was really just concerned about the little girl and making sure her and Sintel both were really concerned with just keeping the little girl away from the TV because of how badly it was all over the news. Pretty much right after they released the information that it was officially Lintel is like basically the day that Darren like completely turned his life away around. He said that day he literally was a changed man for the rest of his life and he actually got clean that day and it's like been sober ever since. There obviously was also a second victim in this story because... Apparently, the doctors can measure the fetus's femur. If it is measured and has become a certain length, then the baby obviously reaches a certain gestational age, and the baby was 22 weeks gestation. And with that being said, the baby actually could have been saved and could have survived even after Lintel was shot. Also, the uh, medical exam released also that she had, in fact, been shot in the back of the head, and that was the cause of death. Through DNA testing, they also... Also found and revealed that the baby was in fact the matched DNA to Robert Marks. And they obviously also knew from friends that Lintel had been threatening him to tell that she was gonna tell his wife. And so the detectives knew that they had a motive for the murder. Her friends say that they knew it was Robert all along.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely. They're all going, like, who the hell else?
2: Meanwhile, detectives are sitting there and they also realize, like, yo, we also have this three-year-old witness. And so so they like go back to the very start and they literally go all the way back to that initial 911 call with Leslie Parms. Leslie Parms had asked the little girl who hurt you. And the little girl said, Mr. Robbie gone. And Leslie Parms said, oh, who's Mr. Robbie? Mr. Robbie's gone. And and she said, yes. And Leslie Parms said, who put the blood there? And the little girl said, Mr. Robbie. Leslie then asked the little girl, did he hit your mommy? And the little girl shook her head yes, and he tells the dispatcher she shook her head yes that he hurt her mommy. The detectives call Jamika and they tell Jamika this, and then Jamika's like, "Oh yeah, I remember. She told me that too." And then Jamika remembers that the day that she had gone to pick her up to go bring her to take her home and take a bath, you know, and had taken care of her, whatever that she was talking about her mommy, and that she said "lady," and she said she calls me "lady." That was the name that she called Jamika, "lady," "Mr." Run- Bobby hurt my mom. And that's what she told Jamika. And so Jamika relayed that to the police. And, and Jamika said, and I thought about it. I couldn't put you know, I didn't think, realize it at that time. And she goes, and then I thought about it and I put two and two together. And I said, wait, honey, do you mean Mr. Robbie from the school? And the little girl shook her head. Yes. And then Jamika said, I know who Mr. Robbie is. Jamika says she was also the one who was responsible for bringing that little girl to that counselor's office that day to get her testimony. And, you know, they have forensic workers are professionally trained to speak with these children a very particular way so as to not cause more trauma to them because they've already... can see an entire murder. They distract them with coloring and snacks and a good drink while they ask them questions about what they love and their favorite color, but then also asking about mommy too at the same time, right? So that it seems like an easy conversation. And what does this little girl do? She opens right up like a book. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And the worker says, what did you hear with your ears, sweetie? And she said, I heard a boom. Just like that. The detectives go to Robert and they ask Robert, "Why would this little girl say this?" And Robert says, "Oh, I have I have absolutely no idea. I don't I don't know why she would say that. That's she's got to be telling a story. She's got to be fibbing. She, I don't know why she would say that." At this point, the investigators decide, like they don't they can't pin the whole case on him based on just this three-year-old's testimony. Like, it's not strong enough. It's just not strong enough. They need something else more tangible. Well, as if this story couldn't have another fucking twist in it. It does. Why? There was a third woman in Robert Marx's life.
1: What the fuck? Like, <laughs>
0: this guy, like, he, I, I mean, I It's don't... a lot.
2: I can't figure it out. There was another witness, in fact. On the the night of June 8th, Someone else had been there as well. She had Twin Peaks with him also. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, right? at
0: the Twin Peaks. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh...
2: Robert Merckx made some really, like, stupid mistakes along the way. Oh, and yeah, Quinny.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. So
2: there's this really cool cell phone data analysis named Cy Ray, who actually did all of the cell phone analyzing for the entire case. And he pulls all of these cell phone records. And what do you know? They rewinded their cell phone tracking all the way back to when they're both at their houses separately. And then they watch their phones and they meet up at the Walmart, just like Robert said, when he said they met at the store, right? They do, in fact, meet at the store. But then Robert says that they departed after that, right? Oh, we talked for 30 minutes and then I left and went to this place, right? They, In fact, Mm -hmm. they stay together the whole time and they go and they drive to a shooting range about 10 miles out stops at the shooting range and it's there for like oh 20 30 minutes but it's just nothing out there the detectives say so they have no idea what the fuck they're doing out there this late at night in a fucking shooting range that's closed it just makes no sense
1: it's not even yeah it's not even open yeah
2: so then the phones go on the move again they actually continue going west towards Rima then the devices stop again together no idea what they're stopping there for it's just a random spot and there's nothing thing out there. It's just a random fucking field. And then you see the two dots start moving back towards home. They're going back east towards Baton Rouge, and her phone immediately goes offline. Well, this whole time, keep in mind that Robert Marks has been nothing but in contact with her. Text messages, phone calls, the whole nine, you name it. Well, as soon as her phone goes offline, Robert never texts her or communicates with her ever again after that. So what does that tell you? Wow. Okay? Not a Another
1: single text or any other contact whatsoever. You know, it's funny because we're constantly ragging on the suspect for like sending that text later on, you know, like. Hey, haven't heard from you. Everything's okay? Love you, Bye. You know, or whatever. Yes, to like cool people off the scent and it never works. Is it worse that he didn't send one or is it worse? It is worse kind of. If, right. Right. I mean, I'm going like, to say is it's, it's, worse. It's, I mean, it's worse. It's all bad. It's He does worse. He never didn't even send try. An idiot, exactly. But
2: he does text somebody else.
1: Hmm.
2: He definitely texts another person that night. He gets charged with homicide and he gets charged with feticide, which is the murder of an unborn baby, as well as some several other charges, right? Now, initially, the wife, his wife, Kayla, stood by him. She actually went on TV with Nancy Grace and swore that her husband was innocent. The detectives actually believe that it was because Robert obviously had been lying to the wife and telling her that he was innocent the whole time and that she just believed him.
0: Yeah, because if he's done this, then she's also... She has to Mm -hmm. ask herself, how did I not know? It sucks. The cell
2: phones show that around 11 p.m. Something, Robert is heading back to Baker. But if he, like I said, if he leaves the baby and the car in the lot 25 something miles away, how does he then in fact get back to Baker where his motorcycle is? Well, her name was Tremeka Jackson. Tremeka Jackson was sitting at her house watching news at home when she noticed that they started talking about Lintel and her murder and how Robert Marks was the one who had in fact been charged and arrested and that it had happened on Wednesday night. Well, Trameka's sitting there and she's like, shit, I was with fucking Robert Marks on Wednesday night. I better go to the police station right now and fucking tell him this shit. She is not hiding it. She's got nothing to hide. She says, look. I went I picked him up he told me where to pick him up in this like dark parking lot I saw him waiting on the side of the road I picked him up she said and I brought him back to his motorcycle she thought everything was fine you want to know what she thought she thought that they were in a relationship what else did she think she thought that he was a fucking doctor not just a doctor with a PhD Quinny's a fucking medical doctor Quinny's he told her that he was a medical Doctor, and she believed no. him and do thought not that he would be Dirty afraid
0: John. to ask Ooh. for a resume. Okay, do <laughs> not be afraid to ask tech. for some references. For the love of God. Oh my God. So the
2: cops are like, okay, Tremika, you know you're an accessory, right? And she's like, listen, I'm telling you everything I know. I swear I didn't know anything. This is all I knew. She said that he did not tell her or give any signs that he had just committed some sort of crime. So she just, all she was doing was dropping him off. The detectives decide that she's in the dark in this and that she truly didn't know about it. and They believe that she was innocent and that she was honestly just trying to help because she came forward right away.
0: In some states it does doesn't even matter if you mm-hmm. knew like if you had any indication she got and she's sh- very lucky that she didn't get more yes. wrapped up in this you know and and every- she's, I, be- I also believe her I, I believe, her too. believe her. everything
2: she said was true and then they also even proved it as well because she had a dodge and the dodge has very specific tail lights, and they actually pulled footage surveillance footage oh, surveillance footage Quinny's.
0: another working camera uh- fucking Louisiana for life
2: Dude, killing I love it God, straight I- killing oh, it,
0: Louisiana. Right? Love it. And Dorn sure
2: it. enough, they verified her car with the signature singular bar brake lights going across the camera of the bank, picking Robert up at exactly around the exact same time that she said. A little after 11 something.
1: He has like no blood on him. Like there's blood all over the car. According like, to he her. Yeah. Clean. No. Like I. Acting ugh. like everything's no. fine. Everything's fine. No big fine. deal. It's sick. Watching the basketball game. He gets arrested and he gets puts behind bars.
2: Well, guess what? They. Set a bail of $800,000. He gets out. He immediately goes to the camera as he's being released from jail and looks right into the camera and says, I'm innocent. I didn't do this. Oh my God. Oh my God. I want to extend my grievances to the family. Oh, yes. That's what he said. But the prosecution felt very confident. He stayed out and free for almost six years. And it wasn't until 2021, almost six years to the day after Lintel was killed, that the trial finally happens. Prosecuting attorney is Tony Clayton. And this guy's a famous Louisiana attorney. Everybody loves him. They say that people go to this courtroom in Louisiana just to watch this guy perform because they call him a performer. Really phenomenal. And immediately his opening statement, he refers to Robert Marx's case as, Dumbo, and that he's going to mix all of Robert's shit as ingredients into a big pot and he's going to serve uh-huh. this shit to him cold. It's so great. And the defense is just, they're looking like they're on the losing side. The defense has some stuff, but not a lot. They say there are no eyewitnesses. They claim there's no DNA evidence. And they're also questioning the reliability of a three-year-old. Again, like I said, Tony Clayton just keeps killing it in the courtroom. They show a video of the little girl and her testimony in court. Also, Tony used Robert Marks' own word against him because, he showed security footage of the security cameras at the bar. He takes the security footage from Twin Peaks and he shows it all hours of footage. And he's like, all right, we're going to sit here and wait for Robert Marks to show up in this footage. (laughs) Okay. And he just never shows up in the footage. Tony immediately caught him in a lie and he caught him in a lie right in front of this jury. The defense had no response to those videos. Like they just had nothing to say to that. The prosecutor Tony Clayton also had evidence of text messages that Robert Robert Marx had insinuated an abortion to Lintel and had told her to actually get rid of the baby. Stop and then after doing this. Tried Stop to take it
0: back. doing this. Never appropriate, never okay. Never okay. Not your call. Not the prosecuting
2: call at attorney, Tony, also found evidence of a very crucial date, May 24th, which was the day that Lintel had found out the sex of her baby. It was the gender reveal of her baby, that she was a little girl, right? When they did a search, background search, of the history on Robert Marx's computer, Little Quinny's, okay? Do you think that he was searching for, like, baby things? or, like, a new crib yeah, or, like, the
1: registry, you right? know, Are bottles
2: or something like that? No. Yeah. What do you think he was searching for, Queenie's? Breastful. He was searching. He was Googling guns. He was Googling murder. He was Googling mysterious pregnant women deaths and murders. <laughs> He, they found a Google history pages long of how to kill God. someone, guns, death, you name it.
1: This guy has okay? a PhD. And he's an idiot. <laughs> he's a freaking he's idiot. He's a fucking, like, shut up, Robert. Like, again, thank God he was, because we got him. You know what I mean? But like, what? And again, Quinny's, yeah. the
2: defense had nothing to in response to the, to this yeah, evidence. What are you saying? No response. Yeah. There's nothing Lastly, to
1: contradict it. There's nothing. Right. Nothing. Last year. are going to put it on the wife. Yeah. But even, they didn't
0: do that, which no. is really interesting to me. I know. You would I think thought that they, they would. I thought they would. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Tony even showed the texts from Lintel sent to Robert that were telling him that if you don't tell your wife, I will. So that was where the, those were the proof in the text messages of Robert's motive. Witnesses say that Robert sat there the entire time, completely cold and emotionless. His defense attorney did not call any witnesses the entire time and he did not even make a closing argument. Is that really So what the fuck is that?
0: It's really unusual.
2: It's unusual. The only thing the defense really had was that the case was circled. Circumstantial. That was literally his own, his strongest defense. Know also that the now nine-year-old little girl sat there in the front row, waiting for the verdict. And on December seventeenth of twenty twenty-one, after thirty-five minutes of deliberation,
0: yeah, let's make it quick,
2: (laughs) real quick. We don't need
0: time. We're good. The jurors' verdict
2: was guilty. And robber Marx was found guilty of second-degree murder, first-degree feticide, aggravated kidnapping of a child, first-degree obstruction of justice, as well as first-degree carjacking. Wow. All of yeah. the jurors agreed. Uh, one of the jurors said, quote, it was ironclad across the board. All 12 of them had to agree in order for him to get sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And he remained in one of incarcerated at one of the country's worst prisons known as the Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola, Angola,
0: West, Parish. So scary. Another scary one of the worst.
1: place. I don't feel bad for him in the And least.
0: detectives, yeah, still say to this there. day that he's
2: exactly where he deserves to be. And the little girl now lives her life with her dad, Darren, who is sober and clean and has been raising his little oh. daughter and says that every day he sees Lintel in her more and more. Just recently, Robert Marks did get new attorneys and he asked for an appeal and he also asked for his sentence to be overturned. However, nothing has come of that yet. The only thoughts I have are... Okay, don't meet anyone in a parking lot? Ever? Don't
1: meet anyone ever. How is he getting these women? I don't understand. Okay. I'll I'm never, not understand. It. never understand. I will never understand. Also, the fact that she didn't find him attractive at all at first is telling to me. So... Yes. You know yes, what I mean? Carly. I know, like, things you can yes. change. Like, you can change. and like you can, She like, didn't listen to her gut.
0: No, but she wasn't listening exactly. to her gut. Exactly. Well, I feel like he was. We're also. I'm not a fan. I get it. You can't help who you fall in love with. I really right. do believe that. But I'm not a fan of dating your boss in any capacity. No. I don't think that it like it the, p- the power well, dynamic is not like it's unfair from the beginning. There's it's just they're married, especially <laughs> oh, if they're married. But like, but even beyond that, like yeah, just exactly. the position of power tying your employment to. I don't like it. But I do think that what you're talking about, Carly, the fact that at first she was like no, and then. And she came around to him suggests to me that he sought her out, yes, like yeah, that he, made he manipulated her, her. he manipulated yes. her,
1: and he made her notice him. Feel special, you're right, mm-hmm. yeah, right. And like, you don't have to be attracted to someone immediately, you can like their personality and not their looks right away, like I, that, all that stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. And so he I made her like... believe everything different, yeah. you know, he made her believe all of this
2: stuff about him that wasn't even actually the case right. at all.
1: Yeah, I just feel like it was her. Gut telling her and she didn't understand like what it was telling her and then right. he manipulated her around it you know what i mean that's just yeah also Jamika, can you go to valdosta georgia and tell kendrick johnson's school how to have cameras in the
0: how police? to have cameras on a work camera okay. like the can whole- you yeah, tell shout them out.
1: how to figure out the camera situation. Yeah. Please that would be very helpful. Louisiana. So much. Okay. The fact that he was, Robert Marks, was so incredibly moronic this entire time. Mm. Did all the wrong things, which was great because he got caught and he got convicted. But yet was somehow smart enough to have Two side women on top of his wife, and nobody knew anything about anyone. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like technically, yes, Lintel knew he was married, so knew about the wife. Fine, right? But she didn't know about the third girl. The girl, third girl, didn't know about anybody else. Probably the wife didn't know about anybody. You know, like so. Well. I
0: feel like it might have something to do with how he just came up with eight hundred grand real quick. Like it's weird, yeah. right? Because like we said, he told Lintel that he lives in a two story house, and he actually lives in. The double wide, nothing wrong with that, but he's acting like he has more money than he obviously does. does. And he's a liar. But but then he at like when he needs it, he put he comes up with almost a million dollars. Did it was was
1: it bail or bond? Which one was it?
0: Because bond,
1: it only needs to be a percentage. I think it was bail. Okay. Over
2: eight hundred thousand dollar
1: bail. Yeah. Here I am trying to give what am I trying to give him the benefit of doubt? No, doing? it's just <laughs> it, because I'm it doing? doesn't make any what sense. It doesn't. Where's it coming from? Who and where? I like, feel what? like
0: he had like money He probably to, had to, to like I don't know, like he
2: probably got a couple people to pull it together for him or some yeah. shit. He probably manipulated people in outside wife of his life was still too. Still on his
1: on his side at the time, but like, what the hell, dude?
2: Once he was found guilty, the wife divorced him immediately Good. after. But
0: Once he was found that, guilty. Right.
2: Once he was found guilty, yeah. Was so crazy. she stayed with him. six years. She stuck with him the whole time. Yep.
0: That's, that's
1: loyalty. That's wow.
0: Well, that's why the defense didn't try to pin it on the
1: wife. Wow. Oh my God. No, 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 no. Nope. Nope. Hold on. He had to have manipulated her. The, even more so because that's what he the detective said her to testify against him yeah, say, yeah that's, that's what the detective it. said exactly de- that's all it is the detective
2: said she totally master. or he totally master manipulated his uh-huh. wife like that she was the most manipulated of yeah, all of them of course of course well besides um the last girl treika because right. she probably got it the worst thinking he was a freaking medical
1: doctor <laughs> thinking he's a or something. It's no, the fact that he had to kill Intel because of the baby, like, just grow. Don't up, have an affair. Dude. Grow up. Let her live her life with her baby. If you don't want to be involved, like, just cut it off and like deal with the aftermath in your own life. Yeah. Like, you idiot.
2: Yeah, she just wasn't gonna let that happen though. But, like, like, and she was, was telling him that no, too. Like, right, you are gonna you pay to, for this
0: baby. You knew
1: that could have happened when you got into an affair. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay, and you, uh,
0: like, is it really? Is it? that much? Is it that bad? Like it just be, again, even Did with the gunshot arrived? to the back of the head is like, you're such a coward in yes. so many ways. And like, you're Straight actually just afraid yeah. to yeah. say, okay, I, I like tell your wife, I made right. a mistake that I got someone pregnant, I have to own up to it. That's what it is. Like, isn't that better than life in prison in Angola or like, like killing your, not only killing an innocent woman, but killing your unborn child as well. In front of her three-year-old daughter. And he makes, and there's no mention of like, there's None. no, there's no like, I'm sorry or any, like, no Nothing. acknowledgement of that
1: kid at all from him. Unreal. I know.
2: And she yeah. says she still remembers her mom, too, to and this she day. Has to look she look at her
1: whenever she sees her aunt. Yeah. Yep. You know? shout out to the guy who
2: found her leslie yeah. leslie parmes yeah. oh my god leslie. he's so sweet shout he's like the, such a hero of the story but she's definitely you know the biggest hero she of is. all because mm-hmm. she had the whole the whole yeah. real truth she had the whole real truth
1: It's so sad so freaking so sad.
2: sad it really is
1: but also just shows you like mantel was doing a great job Oh my god. Like she she did a fabulous
2: up. job. She obviously was heading you know, so in the right direction already. I feel like you can tell that she was a teacher yes. by the way her yes. daughter was. <laughs>
0: yes. Because absolutely. like the
2: daughter is like telling the ba- the guy all the bad what the bad man did, Mr. Uh-huh. Robbie. Like it's like mom told you what to do in a bad situation. Yes. You right. know, yes. it's like mommy told her what to do when something bad happens. You tell the police, you know. That's
0: so it sad really about it. But she's because- shining through her parenting is shining through. Right. And poor Melissa Mason, because I just, I feel I for her, I think, I think it is the right advice. If your friend just found out that their significant other is cheating and there's all this home on home the home phone then. back and forth. You don't, you don't think Homeboy is going to kill your friend? Right. You, well, you need to get in a room, in a place with this person, look them in the eye and find out what the hell is going on. I totally, I support her 100% are totally. saying that, totally. but just Hide under Bring a blanket a or
1: something. Bring a friend. Like just
0: hide in the. I don't even care. Wear I, a Crouch down best. under uh, in the <laughs> back seat system. with a blanket over your head. I swear, this is, I know it sounds insane. And, and <laughs> let your friend have this conversation yes. and 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 yes. just be there. Be in the car in the parking lot that's already parked there when the two of them pull up. You know what I mean? Like exactly. just physically, I don't know. Just be there. system. Like buddy system, dude. Just go with your friend. Just go with her. Yeah. Just go with her. Even if you have to hide, just go with yeah. her. Because, um, but then again, I mean, he did this even with a little child in the
2: exactly. room. So
1: exactly. And he killed, and killed his own
2: biological child. Could own be, biological it could child. be
1: two dead women. Right. Ugh. Okay. Great. Right.
2: Listen to Straight Up Evil.